Now, if you have your Bibles, would you please turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and Matthew 25. And we're continuing in our series, Letter to the Exiles. And in this, uh, Peter has, is speaking to the church. And he's saying that you guys, as Christians, now what you've done is you've received new life from Jesus, that you aren't living according to the desires of your flesh anymore, but that the Holy Spirit now resides in you, and the Holy Spirit gives you a whole new set of desires and things that you want to do and leads you into the life that God has called you to. And when you do this, you as the church live as a colony of heaven here on the face of the earth. You're called an exile because this isn't really your home. You're here for a while, but your true home is in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven, your king is Jesus, and you're eagerly awaiting his return. But while you're awaiting his return, you have an active mission that you've been called to do. You've been called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And one of the best ways that we do that is by modeling what the culture of heaven is. See, we all know what the culture of the world is. Anytime you turn on the news, you continue to see what the culture of this world is. And the culture of the kingdom of heaven is completely different from that. But nobody's going to know what the culture is like. Nobody's going to know what our king is like unless we model and demonstrate that for them. So that's the job that we've been given as Christians. And one of the areas now that Peter begins to address in the church is he says, you guys all have gifts that God has given to you. Yeah. And the problem is, because of the fact that we were born into the culture uh, of the world, the way that we view gifts has been tainted by the way that the world sees and uses gifts. Now, uh, here's what happened to me. This is the way that I thought of gifts growing up, and these are the scars that I'm still trying to overcome with the help of my therapist. Uh, see, not everybody gets a gift. Have you ever figured that out? Like, one of my favorite things about Christmas as a child was that you get gifts. Like, you didn't know about baby Jesus. You didn't care about baby Jesus. You just wanted the gifts. You had no idea what Christmas was about other than that people were going to give you gifts. So at school, they would do a secret Santa thing. And I got into this because I thought if I work really hard to give a good gift to the person I'm giving it to, like, karma is going to make it so that I get a good gift as well. So they had, we had to write letters to the person we were getting gifts to and tried to fool them, so they had they'd try to guess who was giving them the gift. So I gave it to Brian one year, so I wrote his name Brain. I misspelled it on purpose. So then he'd go around, how do you spell my name? And I'd be like, B-R-I-A-N. He's like, no, oh, it's not you. And I'm like, oh, if you only knew. I'm so sneaky. And so I put the time into it. I had my parents take me to the store. I picked out what I thought was a great gift for him. We're all excited. The big day comes. Everybody has their gifts. And that secret Santa comes up to you and gives you the gift. I give mine to Brian. He's like, oh, germ, it was you. And I'm like, yeah, it was me. And everybody's opening their gifts. And I'm looking around for my Santa. Santa? Where's my Santa? My Santa was homesick that day. So I was the one, I didn't care about the fact that my friend was sick. I was like, where's my gift? Everybody else here has a gift, but I'm the only person in the entire school that's left without a gift now. Or you guys also have figured out that all gifts aren't equal. Have you discovered this one? Yeah. When you get the macaroni craft instructional set and your friend got the iPad, you're like, what's going on here? Like... These aren't equal because there's different levels of income that different people have. There's different amounts of getting into giving that people have. Everybody doesn't receive the same equality in the gifting. And then, all gifts aren't useful. You guys had the elderly person in your family that gave you the same gift every year of your life from when you were one all the way up to 24. 
And you're like, Grandma, I absolutely loved my little pony coloring book when I was three, but I'm 33. <laughs> like, what am I going to do with this gift? Why did I get the gift that's completely useless? And then all gifts aren't shared. You've had your friend that got the gift that you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you're my friend because I get to use you. And I remember in middle school, my friend Barry got a dirt bike. And I was like, oh yes, we have a dirt bike. I was thinking we, like, you know, a conglomerate here. It's not he got a dirt bike, we got a dirt bike. And so after church that first Sunday, he invited me to come over and I was like, yes. He's like, come see my dirt bike. And I'm thinking, we're going to ride dirt bikes all day. This is great. But when he said, I want you to come see my dirt bike, he actually meant, I want you to come see my dirt bike. I watched him ride that bike around all afternoon. And every time I try to be like, hey, can I have to, you know, he take off again. I'm like, Barry. And so the way that we have seen gifts and how they operate in the world around us influences the way that we see the gifts that God has given us. See, we think when it comes to the gifts that God's given us that we haven't all received the gift. We think that all gifts aren't equal. That some people get a gift that's really great and the gift that we get is completely useless. Like, what am I going to do with this gift? God, why did you give me this one? Or we think that the gifts aren't to be shared. They're supposed to be things that we hold on to for ourselves and that we use for ourselves. But Paul writes to the church and he reveals to them the way that gifts work in the kingdom of God and the culture that we've been called to live in. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he starts out by saying, you have a gift. It says, as each of you has received. It doesn't say, as some of you have received a gift from God. It says that each and every one of us have received a gift from God. And one of the biggest frustrations that I hear from people as I meet with them is they feel like they don't have a gift. They're like, man, I wish God had give me something good. Like, you can get up there and you can talk. You have the ability to talk. And I'm like, well, it's not like that's a real marketable, in-demand gift. It, it doesn't require a lot of abilities. You can train a monkey to sign, so I'm not sure that speaking is like the be-all of gifts. But it's like everybody has a gift. But what happens is you start looking at other people. And you start comparing the gift that you have to the gift that someone else has, and you think, well, what I have isn't actually very useful. What I have isn't something that I even necessarily want. But this is the way God works, is he gives you exactly the gift that you need. Yeah. See, God creates everything with purpose. Someday, I will be in heaven, and I will ask the Lord why he created all the mosquitoes, that sneak into my house every night. God, what is the purpose of these things? But I know there is a purpose there somewhere. Because everything that God creates, he creates with a purpose. And you are no different. Jesus, when he created you, there was a purpose. There was a plan for your life. It says that you were created to do good works in Christ Jesus before the foundations of the earth were even laid. You were created to do good things in Christ Jesus. You weren't made to get by. You weren't made to skate through in this life. You were made to do good things, empowered by God. And so this is what God did. He knows the plan and the purpose that he has for you. 
even if you don't necessarily understand it yet, he will reveal it to you. Keep seeking out what that is, but he has already given you the gift that you need to do that which he created you to do. Because God's smart like that. He doesn't create us to fail. He doesn't leave us high, dry, and abandoned. When you made the decision to follow Jesus, it, not only did you receive new life inside of you or the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you received spiritual gifts that he deposited inside of you to equip you to do the thing which he created you to do. See, you are vitally important to God's purposes and plans on this earth. It talks about that he has called us to be stewards of the varied graces of God. What that means is that the way that God pours out his grace on this earth isn't that he just pours it all onto every person individually. What he does is he takes different gifts that are from him, that are part of the grace that he's giving to the entire world, and he puts pieces of it, individual gifts, inside of us. And then we use these things together to represent God and his grace corporately to those who are around us. Without you, God's plan does not succeed on this earth. And you say, you're always saying that God's purposes and plans always do succeed. Yeah, they always do because he's going to use you. That's the way it works. He will use you to do what he created you to do. He will use you to make disciples. He will use you to reach the world that is around you with the love and the power of Jesus Christ that will forever change the lives of those that you encounter. Amen. You have a gift. Amen. And what we do when we start saying, God, you didn't give me a gift. Like, well, first of all, you're saying, God gave you this incredible gift, and you're like, God didn't even give me anything. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's ungrateful. I've given you this gift, and you can't even see what the gift is that I've given you. You act like I've given you nothing. Or when you say, God, you should have given me what so-and-so has. Then I could do what I'm supposed to do if I only had so-and-so's gift. Well, then you're saying, God, you were too foolish or too unwise to give me what I need. God, you were wrong somehow. That's not something that I ever want to do. And we don't think about it like that, but that's really what we're doing. When we say, God, I can't do this because, we're saying, God, you haven't equipped me properly. You weren't wise enough. You weren't strong enough. You weren't all-knowing enough. Your plan or your purpose wasn't good enough. But everything that he has done is perfect. And then your gift is for others. That's why, Peter, that's why God has given these gifts into us. It says that we can serve one another. We're supposed to use these gifts not to, to gain positions or titles or power or wealth for ourselves. We're supposed to use these gifts as something that we now sacrificially use to serve those who are around us. Yeah. Now, you enjoy using the gift. It's fun. When you get to use your gift and you see what's happening in the lives of the people around you because of the way that God has gifted you and the way that you're using it to serve him, that's a lot of fun. That's the thing that energizes me most in life. And there's a lot, I love lots of things, hobbies and all that kind of stuff, but the thing that gets me most excited, the place where I find the most contentment and peace is when I use the gift God has given me. Now, I wish that I was a singer. I wish I had the gifts that other people had. I wish I was an artist. There are all kinds of gifts that I wish that I had, but I never find contentment when I sit down and try to scratch out my stick figures because that's not my gift. That just leads to frustration. But when I use the gifts that God has given me, yeah. it's powerful because now I'm aligning my life, I'm aligning my efforts with the lane that God has called me yeah. to run in in life, and you start to see fruit from that. You start to see God show up, and you begin to see people's lives around you change, and you find incredible contentment and joy in doing that. But when you're going off after somebody else's gift, that just leads to frustrations. That leads to discontentment. 
when you're just trying to use the gift for yourself. You never find the peace and the contentment and the joy that you find when you use it to serve other people. And this is what God's called us to do. He says, I want you to steward these gifts that I've given you. Now, a steward was someone that, in the ancient world, the head of the household usually had some servants, and they'd make one or two of them their stewards, and they would be the ones that were in charge of managing all of the assets and the properties that their master had. Now, those weren't theirs. The master didn't say, here, this is yours, now do whatever you want. He said, I'm giving this to you. This is in your charge. It's still mine, but I'm trusting you with this to use it, to run it, to manage it, to invest it in ways that will please me and that will bring me a return. And at the end of the day, you have to stand and give account before me for what you've done with that which I have entrusted you, and I have to see the return that you have brought me. A steward's kind of like a financial planner. When I go to Edward Jones every year and, and get depressed about how old I'm going to have to be to retire, uh, <laughs> I see I, there's money I'm giving this guy, and I'm trusting him to invest it for me so that someday I will have something to retire on. I'm not giving him the money so that he can take off and move to Mexico with it. I'm not giving him the money so he can buy himself a new car or to fund his own retirement. If he did that, I would be really mad and I would call the cops. I'm giving him this and saying, someday you have to give this back to me. Now use it in a way that will bring a good return for me. That's what stewardship is. And that's what God has called us to do with the gifts that he's deposited inside of each and every one of us. Jesus is always talking about, in parables, trying to demonstrate these principles. And he begins to talk about the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 25 by telling a story about a steward. And it says, beginning in verse 14, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability, and then he went away. When he had received the five talents, I'm sorry, he that received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had set the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had also received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at my coming. I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who will be given more, I'm sorry, to everyone who has will be given more, and he who has an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now you don't see Christian bumper stickers with that verse on it. 
Cast that wicked, slothful servant into the outer darkness for the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's not on the mugs at the Christian bookstore. But this is the way that Jesus addresses the way that we use the things that we have been entrusted to be a steward of. Now, this is talking about all sorts of things, whether it be the gifts God's given you, the finances that you have, uh, kingdom opportunities, the way that we live our life for the Lord. These are all things that we steward over, and there are the same principles that apply to all of it. There is an expectation that Jesus has for the way that we manage and the way that we invest the things that he has entrusted us with. And I don't want to be the lazy, slothful steward that gets cast out with weeping and gnashing of teeth. That does not sound like a fun place. So if we want to be good stewards, this is how we are to steward our gift. Is that number one, you have to know your gift. Now those stewards, they didn't say, I don't know, I guess I got a a pocket full of coins, I'll just go see whatever I have. No, they knew exactly what it was that they started out with. They knew what their master had entrusted them with. And in the same way, we have to know what it is that God has entrusted us with. Now what I love in this is that he gave some five talents, he gave some two talents, and he gave some one talent. But when he called them to give account for what they had, he didn't say it to the one who had more, you know, great job, and the one he gave two, and that turned into four, he didn't say, well, you didn't do quite as good as the five guy, I love you less, or you weren't as good. He gave the same uh, warm reception to both of them. It didn't matter what it was that you started out with. It doesn't matter what the amount of the gift is that you have received or what the gift is that you have received. What matters is that you take what God has given you and you begin to use it. If you've ever given uh, your kids, or if you've been the kid when your parents are dishing you up ice cream, and you're so happy with what's in your bowl until you look over at the person next to you. Now, they got two more sprinkles than I have. What the heck's going on here? Do they not love me as much? Am I not as good as someone else? This is the huge part for us with our gifts, is we always are like, I'm not as good as so-and-so because they're better at this than I am. Now, my gift is I'm a teacher, and so I get up here and I love to teach, but you know what the most depressing thing on earth can be is when you turn on you know, Christian TV and you see what some like, really good teachers are. You're like, oh man, they were given a better, like they got more gift than I have. Is Jesus not going to be as happy with me? Like, should I just quit what it is that I'm doing? No. I'm not responsible for the amount of the gift that I have received. I'm responsible now for how I use what it is that God has given me. And that's what we need to do. We need to stop looking at everybody else that's around us and figuring out the gift that everybody else has. We need to start focusing on the gift that God has put inside of us. Amen. So how do you know what your gift is? This is a big question. A lot of times, it can be a lot more obvious to the people who are around you than it is to you. But your gift will always make itself apparent. Um, when it comes to spiritual gifts, there's two different kinds of gifts. There are the things like when we see... Um, in Acts, when the Holy Spirit falls and they begin speaking in tongues and they're healing people and they're prophesying words of wisdom, words of knowledge, there's all that kind of stuff that's going on and working in miracles. And those are gifts that are used a lot for evangelism. They're used for the proclamation of the gospel, for bringing people in. Then there's another set of gifts that are talked about in the Bible, which are also spiritual gifts, but they're more gifts that are used now inside of the churches. Uh, how do we keep this church running? How do we keep it healthy? How do we keep it focused so that we can begin to make disciples and to retain disciples? so people aren't just falling off and disappearing. And that's what Peter's talking about when he's writing to the church. He's saying there are gifts that God has given you that you use to serve one another. 
They're not primarily evangelistic gifts. They're gifts that you use to serve each other, to create a place where God can be encountered and where people can have their lives forever changed by the power of God. And so that's what it's talking about. And these are the gifts that God has poured out inside each and every one of us. And we'll talk about the spiritual gifts. Again, we'll have a series coming up where we'll do that. But today we're just going to focus on what these kind of ministry gifts are that God has poured out inside of us. Um, and the first one is the gift of administration. Nobody got excited about that one. All right, the gift of administration. I'm so happy that maybe that's what I have. But here's what it is. The, the word in Greek for administration refers to a shipmaster. There's someone that gives directions. They bring order to something. They steer, they rule, they govern over the ship. And so what it's talking about is that if you have the gift of administration, you're able to organize, you're able to direct, you're able to implement plans and to lead others in the direction of the goal that has been set. Ships don't just sail to their destination. There has to be someone that's overseeing things, bringing order out of the chaos that otherwise would be. And the same is true with us. Jesus has given us a vision for the church. There is a, a goal that we are trying to accomplish. But you know who the most frustrated people in the world are? Visionaries. Because they have all the vision, they have all the dreams in the world, but they never have any sort of an administrative gifting. If I ever meet one of those people, oh my goodness. You hold on to those people. But usually what happens is there's someone that's really good at getting the vision and the picture and saying, this is the direction we're heading, but then you need someone that can come alongside that has some administrative abilities so they can bring some structure, some systems, organization, planning, preparation, stuff like that, so the ship actually has a direction now that we're set in, and we have a way to get to the destination which we've set out for. I love administrative people. I am not administrative. So anytime I meet someone who's administrative, I'm like, first of all, I don't understand how you do what you do. Like, it just boggles my mind. But please, don't leave me. Ever. You know, last year we had our church picnic, and that was so much fun, and it was a blast, and everything went so smoothly, and people connected, and relationships. A Christian community was built, and that wasn't because of me. I just said, hey, let's do a picnic, and then I let a super administrative person bring all of the pieces together. And that something amazing happened there. They used their gift to serve others, and Jesus was glorified through that. Now, another gift is exhortation. Yeah. And the Greek word here means to encourage and to strengthen. If you have the gift of exhortation, you're an encourager. You build people up. You keep them from wavering in their faith. Now, anytime you try to do something significant, you will come up against significant obstacles along the way. There will be times where you feel beat down, you feel tired, you're ready to quit. And it's at that time that you need someone that has the gift of encouragement to come alongside you and to say, you can do this. God is for you. you know, whatever it is that you need to hear, God will speak those words to you so that you will know how to keep the person from throwing in the towel. Now, if it weren't for people with the gift of exhortation uh, outside of this church that know me and people inside of this church, uh, this church would not be. I would have quit before we had our first Sunday service. But there were people that said, Jeremy, get back up. Keep going. You can do this. God has called you to this. Amazing things are going to happen. Thousands of people are going to come to know Jesus and follow out his plans and purposes for their life because you're going to go out there and you're going to make a sacrifice and blah, blah, blah. And every Sunday since then, I probably would have quit if it wasn't for my encouraging wife and others of you. They're like, okay, that wasn't terrible. You know, <laughs> we're okay. I think a couple of people are coming back, so we'll be all right. But if you have the gift of encouragement, it is so needed in the body because what's the culture of the world? Discouragement. You're terrible at this. That'll never work. You should give up and quit. You never need to look for people to discourage you from your ideas and your dreams. 
They're all over the place. But the body of Christ needs people that have the gift of encouragement to come and bring that gift and to be used to keep us all going. There's the gift of giving. And this is also the gift of generosity is more close to the word in the Greek. And what that is, there are people who are just exceptionally generous. Now, we've all been called to give. That's one of the things that God has called us to do. But there are people who go above and beyond this, and they just absolutely love to give. They say, God, I want to reach the nations. I have a heart and a vision for the church or for your house, and so I'm just going to keep giving. And it's financial. It's, it's giving. Like, I've seen people in our church that have given cars away to people. Uh, I've seen people in our church that have paid mortgage payments for families that were behind on the rent. We've had people have given generously to the church so that we could launch generously to Brother Abraham. There are all kinds of people that God has just given them the gift of giving. And they exercise that gift. And because of that, we have a place to meet. Because of that, Brother Abraham's being funded and reaching the people of India and in the Philippines with Babors and Latin America with Johnny Varekin. And we here inside of our community because there are people that just have a gift for giving and they love doing it. There's the gift of leadership. Now, a leader is someone who has the ability to take a group of people from where they are into someplace new. And that's, that's the test of a leader. Did you actually lead a group of people somewhere, or are you all still sitting there in the same place? Now, the way that we work, the human nature, is we're not all created as leaders. And that's good, because if everybody is a leader, every person is going to be going off in their own direction, doing their own thing, and you'll never accomplish anything. But there need to be some leaders who are able to energize a group, they're able to rally people around a cause, they're able to scout ahead and take them into a place that they have already been. You know, really one of the, the biggest things when people say, you know, we need to grow the church, it's like, well, then we need more people to be leaders inside of the church. We need more people with the gift of leadership that can energize a group of people and take them into the place that we have seen inside of our vision. Uh, pastoring, that's a gift. And the word pastor actually is the word shepherd. Now, that's not a very flattering thing because shepherds were the most despised group of people at the time. They were the uneducated one. They were the thieves and the villains. Maybe that's why they called them pastors. I guess TV pastors have been around a lot longer than we thought. But, but the thing is, is that what a, pastor, what a shepherd did was they had a group of sheep that they loved. And they would lead these sheep. They would care for these sheep. When a sheep was sick, they took care of it. When a sheep was stuck, they pulled it out. They loved these sheep, and they sacrificed for the well-being of the sheep that they were over. And that's what they're saying a pastor is. A pastor is someone that loves and cares for and looks after the spiritual needs of the people that he's been entrusted, he or she has been entrusted with. And that's something that is hugely needed. And a lot of people think that to be a pastor, you have to be on staff somewhere. No, it has, you don't have to be paid to have the gift of pastoring. We have a lot of pastors. A lot of them are community group leaders. And they have a heart for the people that God's entrusted them with. And they're looking after the spiritual well-being of the people. And they're leading them places. And when they go off out of the way, they put the shepherd crook out there around the neck and they pull them back in. When they get stuck, they go and they pull them out. When the sheep is sick, they take care of them. There's people that are doing that in community groups. There are people that are doing that uh, just inside of our church when they find out there's a need. Uh, pastoring is a huge gift. It's one that is so needed in the church. And if you have that gift, you don't have to be up on a stage to exercise it. I'm not pastoring right now. That's not what I'm doing. Right now I'm teaching. But we need people that recognize that God has given me the ability and the gift to care for people around me and to make sure that their needs are being met. Uh, another gift is the gift of mercy. This comes from the Greek word that means uh, pay, uh, 
patient and compassionate towards someone who is suffering or who is afflicted. And my wife is a high mercy person. If she finds out that, that there's something going wrong in your life, she, the first response is crying because she empathizes with you and she feels so bad that you're going through this hard time. And then she's wanting to find out, well, do we need to take them some meals? Do we need to watch their kids? Or, you know, do we need to go visit them in the hospital? What is it that we can do to help take care of them in their time of need because they have a high mercy gift? Uh, if there was no mercy gift in the church, if everybody was just a leader or administrative, oh my goodness, this would be brutal. But there are people that God has poured out a gift of mercy on them. When you guys have gone through the darkest and the hardest day of your life, what did you need in that moment? Did you need you know, some teacher to come, well, here's the three principles that you need to get out of this. This is the reason that you're wrong. You don't need the prophet to come in and say, you've disobeyed the word of the Lord and now you'll be stricken and smitten. What you need is someone who's going to come alongside of you, just hug you, put their arm around your shoulder, cry with you. You just need someone that's going to be there with you and empathize with you and show you and model the compassion, the love, and the mercy that Jesus has for you. The church is stronger and is so much more healthy when we have people that have the gift of mercy and they're exercising it. There's a gift of serving. This comes from the word meaning to wait on tables. Again, people are like, oh, good, I get to be a waiter in the kingdom of God. But this is one of the most, I mean, here's this. Have you ever met someone that's just a fantastic artist? Or have you met someone that's a great singer or, or whatever? It's, you know, there's no gift, there's no spiritual gift of, um, you know, playing drums. That's what Jared does every single week. Why does he do that? He's using the gift that God has given him of playing drums, and it's a skill that he's developed but he's using the spiritual gift of servanthood by coming every week, is setting up at seven o'clock, he's tearing down, he's doing all of these things, but he's doing it all, serving us as the church body so that we can come and we can encounter God in worship. And there's lots of people in children's ministry. I'm convinced that there is no gift of children's ministry. That does not exist. It's not in the Bible. But people say, I have gifts, like I'm a teacher. I can go there and I can serve these kids by teaching them. I'm administrative. I can go there and I can serve in this area. I'm an artist. There's no spiritual gift of art that I see described right here, but I can, as a servant, come and use this gift for the glory of God. We have people who are setting up and tearing down. We had a new guy this morning setting up and tearing down. Uh, <laughs> I love this guy, and I saw him afterwards after setting up the stage. I was like, hey, how you doing there? You still cool with this? <laughs> Because there are people that are making sacrifices and they're saying, this might not be the primary gifting that God has given me as far as I'm a guitar player, I can't do blah, blah, blah. And that, that's what, I'm a guitar player, so I can say that. We're really whiny. That's our general nature. But we say, you know what? I want to see the kingdom of God expand, so I'm willing to lay myself down. I'm willing to serve wherever it is that there is a need so that people can come and encounter Jesus. And then there's the gift of teaching. And the Greek word here means to instruct or to instill doctrine, to explain, and to expound. And this is the ability to communicate biblical truth to people and to make it real, accessible, and attainable for them. And this is the one gift that they actually say in the Bible, not many of you should desire to be teachers. Amen. Because there is a higher and a stricter judgment that teachers face when we stand before God. Amen. Now, in the age of blogging and internet forums and everything else, everybody is a teacher. Man, there legitimately are a lot of teachers out there. And if God's given you this ability, it's not something everybody has. 
Like my dad, I love him to death, and he knows how to do just about everything. You know how dads are like that? They just know how to do everything. But he wasn't a great teacher. And so what I'm good at, you know what he taught me how to do? Is I know how to hold a lamp really well and hand him the right tool. <laughs> because he tried to teach me something. You're like, oh, here, just let me do, oh, let me do that, you know? And so like, I never received the instruction in how to do that. Even though he knew how to do it, he wasn't able to communicate that and to demonstrate that for me. And that's the way it is. If you're a teacher, and if God's given you the ability to communicate biblical truth to people, then do this. And you don't have to be up here on a stage to do that. You can do that in a community group. You can do that with your friend at work. You can start a Bible study. There are all kinds of things that you can do as a teacher. And for all of these gifts, that's the way that it works. We need to see all of these gifts being demonstrated and being used because God has poured out, it says, the variety of these gifts over all of us in the church so that we can serve one another, so that we can create a place where Jesus is glorified and he is met by the way that we worship him, by the way that we care for each other, by the opportunity that we give for people to come in and to personally encounter Jesus. The second thing you have to do is you have to invest your gift. It's like the master of the parable, he didn't just give these talents to the people, he said, now go and use them. Do something with these gifts. We need all of these gifts in the church. We need leaders. We need people that can encourage. We need people that can bring order through administrative abilities. We need people that have mercy gifts. We need people that are teachers. We need people that are pastors. In every community group, you see, there needs to be all of these roles in a community group for it to exist and for it to be healthy. There needs to be all of these roles inside of the church, inside of the worship team, inside of the setup and teardown team, inside of the kids' ministry, whatever it is, these gifts have been given to us to be used to bring Jesus glory, and we have to invest these things. And here's what is amazing that happens. When we actually go out and we begin to invest the gift that God has given us to bring a return, it actually happens. I have a video I'm going to show you. I have a girl that made uh, a decision last week and posted this video on Facebook from right here. And I just want you to see what happened when people use the gifts that God has given them. Hi, everybody. My name is Addison. And I have some special news that I did, said today at church with my pastor, with my teacher today. And I, I want to tell you, I asked Jesus to come into my life for the first time. Yay. Yay. Isn't that precious? You know, when she told me that last week, and then when I saw the video on Facebook, I was like, that's why we do what we do. That's what we're here for. That's being radiant. You know, it's more just a catchphrase we use here. When you're exercising the gifts, when you're investing in people and you're serving others, that's what happens. And there are so many people who need to know Jesus. And she's been coming here for like almost three years, two and a half years or something like that. And every week people have been setting up and they've been tearing down using their servant gifts. There have been people that have been teaching her. There have been people using their video game gift, whatever that is, playing video Mario Kart with her. There have been people doing bracelets and crafts and coloring and all of these other things that go into it, not just one gift being used, but all of the gifts. People encouraging her, people leading her. All of these gifts have been used and it led her to the point where she made a decision to follow Jesus. Because others served her, now Jesus is being glorified through the decision that she made in her life. And we need a lot more of that because there are hundreds of thousands of people 
in our community who are far from Jesus. Jesus has done something miraculous in every one of our hearts. And that same thing that he did in us, he can do in the lives of others. And the reason I remember when I made the decision to follow Jesus, it wasn't because someone just set up a sign that said church here today and then you came on in and a pastor gave a message and I gave my heart to Jesus. It was because there were people that for years were doing kids ministry, people for years that were serving on worship team, people for years were winding cables and unwinding them, people for years were doing administrative tasks and you know, vision casting and all that sort of stuff. There were so many people that went into the decision that I made to follow Jesus. And if people hadn't been exercising and using these gifts, then it never would have happened. If there's one thing that I'm willing to lay my life down for, if there is one thing that I'm willing to spend every last ounce of my gifting, every last ounce of my energy and my time and my effort for, is to see people receive eternal life is to see them receive the freedom from bondage, from sin, is to see them receive the joy and the peace that comes only from Jesus. Now, this is what Jesus did. And this is something that really needs to be the motivation of our heart, is when he looked down on the broken and lost world, he says that he looked at them and they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's how he viewed us. And even though we were living as enemies of the cross, we had become those who despised God, he still came and he laid his life down on the cross. He bled his blood out for the remission of our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that he could be the one who becomes the shepherd of our souls, so that we could receive new life, so that we could walk in freedom. And now he's called all of us to partner with him to continue the work of Jesus in our day, in our generation, so that we can see others receive the same gift, the same benefits, and the same rights and privileges that we have as children of the living God. And he's given us these gifts. And one day, we have to give account for the way that we use them. And are we going to be the servant that buried it, that didn't do anything with our gift, that didn't use it, are we going to be the one who went and invested the gift and we see a return like what we saw in Addison? Will you guys stand with me this morning? One of the things I love is that God has the ability to speak to our hearts, that we can hear him. He said, I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. So we can hear God. So let's just take a moment and let's ask God to speak to us and ask him to evaluate our hearts today. Father, we're so grateful that you have poured out the gift of salvation on us. That you have made us a part of your own family. We're sons, we're daughters. That we have an inheritance from you. And Jesus, thank you for the gifts that you have given us. And this morning, if you don't know what your gift is, I'd encourage you to just take a moment here and ask God, say, God, what is the gift that you have poured out in me?
then the next question is, God, would you search our heart and would you know us? Would you take an honest account of the way that I've been investing the gift that you've given me? God, would you put a new fire inside of our hearts? God, would you make it our, our living, our breathing, our dying passion to see you glorified and to serve one another with these gifts? Jesus, thank you that you've called us, that you've equipped us, that there's nothing that's impossible for us now because you, the living God, are the one who fights on our behalf. You are the one who is leading us into the purpose and the destiny that was already laid for us. And Jesus, would you break our hearts for those who are around us, for those who are far from you? And Jesus, would you give me new divine strategies and ideas of how I can use these gifts to serve others and to see you glorified? This morning, just as a sign of surrender before the Lord, if that's you, if God's burning in your heart and you want to use gifts for him to see him exalted in our generation, would you just raise your hand with me as a sign of, God, here I am. Use me. Send me. I can't let my world around me be like this anymore. I need you to do something. I need you to use me. Thank you. Jesus, we stand before you, the chosen and the called, those who have been empowered. And Father, now we pray for a fresh anointing from your Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you would pour out gifts inside of our lives. And Jesus, we pray that as we use every one of these gifts, that you would be glorified. Jesus, that in the church, that we would create a place where people encounter you. Father, that in our workplace, that we would use our gifts to lead people to you. Father, that in our families, in our social interactions, wherever we might go, God, let our gifts be used so that this generation, these people, would be a part of your very family. Because you are so worth it, Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.